Oh, oh, by the way, yeah, we're just we're just completely disregarding your privacy. Were you in the dark web, Larry? I was in the gray. I was in the gray web. I, I would change your bank account. Here we are recording. This is great. Welcome to another episode of the T-Caps Loop Podcast. My name is Larry Burton, and she could be anywhere. It's Danielle Brostrom. Also joining us on this special episode are T-Caps Up North Virtual Live expert educators sharing some of the hard-won wisdom they have earned over the past several months of virtual learning. Before cutting into this week's meet of the show, we won't challenge the results of this week's moment of zen. I will not follow where the path may lead, but I will go where there is no path and I will leave a trail. Yeah. That's good. This is kind of a special episode, Danielle, because we're actually bringing some other people in, some of the experts that have really been uh, doing kind of the grunt work of virtual learning over the past several months and really can give us some, some insights on what they have found out. But before we do that, you have some updates on Google Meet. So enlighten us. All right. I do think that these are helpful Google Meet updates um, specifically for when you're teaching virtually. Um, We did upgrade our TCAPs teaching and admin staff to what's called an enterprise account. These are premium Google accounts that come with extra features. So some of the things I'm going to talk about are those enterprise level because all of our staff have access to them. So if you're listening from outside of TCAPs, um, you may or may not have some of these enterprise features and you may need to um, come work for us because we have them. (laughs) Right, I know, we're fancy. Um, So the host controls I think are really amazing. So in the lower left-hand corner, you have a little blue shield with a lock button. And those host controls allow you to do something called quick access and you can turn that off. And then anyone who isn't invited has to ask to join, including people in your organization. So it kind of puts your people in a waiting room. We're using these for parent-teacher conferences. So when your next family is waiting to come in, they can't just join. They're kind of in this waiting room until you admit them. And I think that's really helpful. You can also turn off the ability for students to share their screen and the ability for kids to send chat messages. So for our teachers that find that chat box super overwhelming because the kids post a bunch of crazy stuff, you can turn that off, which I love, love, love that feature. That's something teachers have been asking for for a while. Um, In the lower right-hand side, that little three-dot menu has a bunch of new things. We have a whiteboard option where you can open a Jamboard that either you can write on or your students can write on directly from the Google Meet. Um, Your meeting recordings are now only held for, I think it is 30 days, unless you have that Google Enterprise license, then your recordings can be kept for an unlimited amount of time. So that's really helpful. You also have the ability, we know about the change layout, where you can allow up to 49 participants in a tile view. So that's really helpful. But they also just included a change background feature. You can blur your screen. You can also put in a funky background. Now, what's pretty cool is that the education accounts only have a limited option for background. Students cannot upload their own background. So that's kind of nice. Good things about backgrounds, if the student is um, learning in a place where they're not really comfortable showcasing their home, they can put up the background and it 
just provides that level of security and safety and comfort and levels the playing field a little bit for kids. Um, mom can go in the background and get the baby out of the crib and the people on the Google Meet can't see it. I love that. I have noticed though that if you've got a class of 30 and they're all using backgrounds, sometimes things get a little slow. <laughs> your your video's a little choppy. Google Meet can only handle so much. So you may or may not need to kind of play with that while you're in the middle of the meet. Sometimes you have to turn it off. Also, if you're trying to show your teacher your work and you're holding it next to you, that might be taken up by the background. So you just need to make sure if you are using a background, know where it is to turn it on and off in case you need to. There's also um, a cool new um, troubleshooting section that like I noticed this the other day, we I had three, I had two students who were home quarantined for that day. So they were virtual learning with their classes on Google Meets and I was on a Google Meet and things just started to happen that were kind of funky. So I went to the right hand corner, clicked on the three dots and went to that troubleshooting. And it shows me my network stability. So I can tell if I'm if things are blurry or jerky or frozen video, I can check my network. It tells me to move closer to my router, which is helpful. It just gives me some statistics on what's going on in that Google Meet so I can help troubleshoot on the fly with my kids, which I thought was great. Um, and then that settings at the bottom, there's a new feature for, um, I've only noticed it for grownups. I haven't seen it for my kids yet, but it's pretty cool. There's a noise cancellation so I can filter out sound that isn't speech. Super helpful if you've got, again, dogs barking in the background and you're trying to virtual teach or there are just other things going on in your home. I do have that always turned on, by the way. <laughs> really helpful. Um, and then the breakout rooms. Oh my gosh, teachers have been asking for this for a really long time. In the right-hand corner, you'll see some little shapes. And when you click on those shapes, you get access to breakout rooms. You get access to polls, which um, allow you to ask your students a question and you can find out what they think about the topic. And then there's something called Q&A. Q&A might be, how it's different from chat is where students can post a question and then you can vote it up or vote it down. And then the questions that get voted up get sent to the top so that the teacher can see them a little faster. Helpful if you have a really, really large group that you're teaching. I just, I am super impressed with how Google Meet has responded to the needs of educators with a lot of these updates. They're things that we've been asking for for a while and they've been really, really helpful for teachers in the virtual world. It's crazy that you say for a while, we've been using uh, Google Meet um, exhaustively, you know, really for, you know, and when I say exhaustively, for probably about six months, really. And mm -hmm. mm -hmm. in, in this current uh, day and age, that's a while. It that's is. Like forever. And if you think about the where Google Meet was uh, when the pandemic first hit, to where it is now and its functionality, it's it's insane how much they've added and how much functionality specifically for our teachers and our educators in that time. It really is astounding. And this is where I want I, I kind of wanted to uh, point out, and you usually mention this when you mention Google products, is if you have an idea, share it with Google because they are listening. They didn't just come up with all these different add-ons. They added them on because educators asked for them. So if you have an idea, let Google know and they might actually add that feature. Yeah, for sure. Um, attendance reports is another one that I forgot to mention, Larry. Like as soon as you're done with a Google Meet, as long as you have more than five participants, you get emailed an attendance report that shows exactly when students were in the meeting, how long they spent, 
like super helpful when you're trying to take attendance in these virtual classes. Again, that's another enterprise upgrade, but man, so worth it in this virtual weirdness. So what do we, what, what's next? What, what have we got uh, next on the pod? I'll let you do the intro. <laughs> sure. Well, I really wanted to, I mean, if we're talking about tips and tricks for teaching virtually, I really think you and I can only offer so many tips. I think we need to talk to the people who are actually doing it. We've got some master teachers right now who are teaching 100% virtually and they are rocking it. They have learned a lot. We meet together once a week to share cool ed tech tips. And every time they share something, I'm just excited and amazed because they're things that I hadn't thought of. Um, so I really wanted to give them a chance to share some of their expert wisdom over the last few months with us. So here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Marie. So I've been teaching virtually this fall, and I absolutely love it. I'm really enjoying it. So I thought I'd make a quick video for my teacher friends out there who might have to go to virtual teaching this year, or maybe you already are. I'm going to share with you some tips that I've learned. All right, so I have seven of them. Tip number one is to really focus on what's important. Um, so really focus on your critical content. When you teach virtually, a lot of times it just isn't age appropriate, especially elementary, for them to be on the screen for five, six hours a day, right? That's that's not going to happen. I teach second grade. There is no way my second graders are going to be like, engaged for six hours on a screen, or is it appropriate? So you're probably going to be teaching a lot less amount of time. My students have about a 25-minute lesson every day for ELA, another one for math, another for science, social studies. You really wanna just hammer that critical content, hammer what's important, and just accept that you're not gonna be able to teach everything that you normally do. You're not gonna be able to sneak in that 10 minute review of this or this five minute thing of this. You just, you just can't. And just focus on the critical content of what's important. All right, tip number two, this is huge. Huge, life, life-changing for, if I could apply this to every aspect of my life, it would be life-changing. But to identify what you can do and what you can't do, okay? What you can control and what you can't control. I can't control what my children, my students decide to work on. I can't control their engagement. I can't control their living situation. I can't control the help that they get. I can't. I just have to accept that. I can control uh, when I am and when I'm not available. I can control recording my classroom so I have places for them to go to if they need a review, if they missed a day. I can control the platforms that I use. I can control like a lot of aspects of my lessons. So that's been huge for me to realize that there's things that I can't control. I think that's really hard for a lot of us teachers. We're used to finding, you know, meeting the needs of all of our students, no matter what it is. We're used to being able to meet those needs, um, to knowing how to meet those needs, or we're used to being able to figure out how to meet the needs. And with online learning, there's a lot of needs that we're discovering or that are different or um, unique to online learning. And we just, I can't reach through the screen and meet that need. So just really focusing on what you can and can't control, I think is ideal. Okay, tip number three, when you are doing online teaching, 
As far as communicating with the students, right, it's, it's pretty basic. If you bring it down to, you, you need to be able to communicate out, like give information to them. So think about how you're going to do that. Are you doing a Google Meet? Is it going to be email? Are you going to be giving them websites and a chat of Google Meet? Um, I use Google Classroom a lot for getting information out, Google Meet. They have like Brightspace. Some people like Seesaw have heard great things about. So think about how you're getting information out and then how you're getting information in or back from the students. I really like have had a lot of success with them taking pictures of their workbooks and emailing that to me. So mm-hmm. I've had a lot of success with that. With Google Meet, I've had a lot of success with, you know, the thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, and also Google Slides, if that helps you. So just think about how, how you want to get information out and in. Start simple, start simple, and then you can go from there. So, and then another thing you want to think about is parent communication out and then in. This is important, right? So I sent out a Friday email, boom. That's how I communicate out everything I need to tell them. I know I'm going to put it in the Friday email and then parents know to look for that. Okay, communication in. Parents, families are going through a lot right now, right? A lot. And you want to give them either the way to communicate with you. Is it email? Is it a phone call? And when? If you get emails, Okay, when are you going to respond back to them? I found out a lot is that a lot of parents, they wanted, and I totally see why, they wanted communication right away if they had a problem because this is all brand new to them. They're trying to log in. They're going through a million thousand things while they're working and helping their kids and the dog's barking and the baby's crying and they can't log in, right? So you just have to really think about when are you going to communicate with them And when can they communicate back with you and how are you going to negotiate that? And like I said, I use email for communication out with them. And then if they need something from me, I use email again. And then I'll call them back at another time also. A huge thing is tech help. Most parents will need a lot of tech help. And so you want to have that handy. Does your district have tech help? If a parent's peeking in and they want to ask you a question and you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of a lesson. Can you shoot him a quick email or can you say, here, post this, you know, have this number so that when you need tech help, this is where you go. Because a lot of times that's what they need. And also for you, where are you going to go if you need tech help? Make sure you have those numbers like posted on your computer or in a really handy spot. The next one, number six, balance. You have to balance your work life and your home life, right? You have to have that balance, especially if you're working at home. It can get really easy to just work all the time or be focusing on work and not on your life. You know, you as a person, as Marie Willis, not just Mrs. Willis. And I do that with time, like from this time to this time I'm working. Okay, but after this time, unless I have a meeting scheduled, you know, that's for me to be Marie Willis. So in the evenings, I might, you know, kind of schedule myself time to prep or plan. But then after a certain time or during these certain hours, I'm at home. I'm enjoying a dinner with my husband or something. So you you really have to be you intentionally balance that, right? There's always, you know, teaching, there's always something that you can do. There's a thousand things that you could do. It's never done. You just really have to find that balance and a balance that works for you. All right. And then the last one is grace. I think this is a good one. 
our superintendent said he didn't take uh, coronavirus 101 in college. <laughs> None of our administrators have been through this before. This is all new. They probably have a ton of demands on them. So give them a lot of grace. Families, they need a lot of grace. You know, they're not going to be able to get their homework in all on time. They're not going to be able to meet all of the demands. It's brand new. They're going through a lot. But more importantly, maybe not more importantly, but just as important, give yourself grace. Give yourself grace that you're not going to be perfect at this. That's okay. You know, you're not going to have all the tricks. That's okay. You know, parents might ask you questions that you don't know the answer to. Isn't that the worst feeling ever for a teacher? But that's okay. You don't have to have all the answers for how this online learning is going to go. So give yourself a lot of grace. It's okay if you don't have it all perfect. All right. Well, bye, everybody. Bye to all my teacher friends. So one thing that I have found useful as I'm teaching virtually this year is I created a hyperdoc in Google Docs, and I call it Links for Google Meets. And I created a table and in there I put in all of the links for all of the tabs that I might need while I'm teaching. So I have read alouds section where I put my link for my Kindle cloud reader or for story on online or Epic. I have a timer section where I can put, I have found on YouTube like five minute timers or 10 minute timers with music. And so I have those linked. I have a morning music section where I have YouTube videos with some morning music that we listen to when we come in some different websites that I might need to access, some videos or activities. And so it's all on one Google Doc. So I open that Google Doc every morning and then I can just open right from there whichever um, websites I'm going to need so that I'm never having to search for a YouTube video. I'm never needing to search for a website or search for something. I can just go right to my Google Doc and click on whatever links from there that I use. So these are links that I use regularly um, throughout the week and use throughout the school year. Hi there. So one tip I have about teaching virtually is using the chat, chat box intentionally. So leaving it off for the majority of the meeting and turning it on at specific points when you're teaching. And so asking the kids a question like, what is a noun? I'm going to open up the chat box, type what a noun is in there and have them type it in. And then say, okay, I'm closing the chat box and share out some of those ideas and then say, okay, now list some examples of nouns. Now that we know a noun is a person, place, or thing, type an example of a noun in the chat box and then open it back up. And by closing it and opening it, um, you can use it to monitor conversation like you would in the classroom so that they're not just using it to talk whenever they feel like, but when it's open, they feel ready to participate. It's a way that I've uh, made sure that more students are engaged and that everyone's voice can be heard and that everyone's participating. So throughout my lesson, I try and think of targeted questions I can ask that I can use in the chat box to gain participation and engagement. For myself and my fourth graders, consistency has been key to our success so far in virtual school. I've kept our routine pretty simple and it is the same every single day. So the kids know what to expect every day when they log on to our meets. It's really important that you share your expectations with your kids and you are clear and concise. So much of what we do in the classroom is our body language, our proximity to the kids. Um, there's a lot of nonverbal cues that we use in the classroom every single day, and we can't do that virtually. And so for the sake of clarity and just making sure that expectations are clear, 
keep them short and sweet. Something that you have to keep in mind too when you're teaching virtually is that it's important to be mindful of your tone and your facial expressions. You'll get frustrated for sure, and your kids will too, but your voice and your face and your little square are all that your kids have to go by. So even when the going is tough and you're frustrated or the kids aren't paying attention, they don't know what page you're on, even though you've stated it several times before, just give them some grace. They've got a lot of other extra distractions at home. Um, They might be helping another sibling or a parent do something. Just try to keep your body language in check and give them some grace and give yourself some grace too. Perhaps most importantly for me, it's just been keeping things simple. Virtual teaching is really hard. It can be isolating. Um, It's demanding. It's hard for your body sitting and looking at a screen all day. So keeping it simple and just doing my best every day and reminding myself that I am giving it my best has been really reassuring to me. Uh, Be kind to yourself and have fun with your kids. If you don't have all of the bells and whistles that other people do um, or are utilizing in their virtual classrooms, it's okay. Don't compare yourself to them because in the end, your kids still have you and that's the most important part. So don't forget to laugh, have fun. Don't be afraid to try something new, even if it flops and just trust your gut. You'll be great. If I can do it, you can do it too. Good luck. Danielle, do you have a tech tool of the week? I do have a tech tool of the week. Um, Courtney Hanley at um, Central Grade School had shared this with me and I think it's fantastic. It's called wheelofnames.com and she calls it like the wonderful wheel of names. And you can put your students in there and spin the wheel and it helps you. It's like the old um, popsicle stick method for choosing who's gonna share next, but it's this big fancy virtual wheel. And once you put your kids' names in, Google Chrome saves those student names. So super helpful for teaching virtually, wheelofnames.com. Thank you, Courtney. In closing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TCAPSLOOP. At BrostromDA. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Like the podcast, leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you happen to listen to the podcast. It gets more people to notice our podcast and listen if it's worth listening to. And thank you for listening and inspiring. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> exactly. something like. On a xylophone. <laughs>